The 2022 MLB draft is officially over with day three concluding on Tuesday. And we'll look at all the Orioles day three picks coming up on this episode. Plus, we'll key in on the Orioles second pick of the draft, the outfielder from Cal, Dylan Beavers, and talk about what he could bring to the Orioles. That's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, July 20th, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to start by recapping day three of the draft for the Orioles, getting you one little nugget on each of the 10 players the Orioles selected on the final day of the draft. Then we'll take a closer look at pick number two by the Orioles, the guy they took 33rd overall in the draft on Sunday night. That is the outfielder Dylan Beavers out of Cal. And Kyle Kishimoto, who is a student at Cal and is always at the ballpark, also writes about baseball and gifts about baseball for pitcher list. He's going to join us to talk about everything he saw from Beavers at Cal this year. That's all coming up on this episode. But first, just got to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. And remember, we're here on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to the Locked on Orioles YouTube channel. Even if you're not a YouTube listener, if you could hop over to YouTube, just hit that red subscribe button. Doesn't change your life at all. Only helps me out getting more subscribers on YouTube. Make sure to like, comment on the videos as well. And as always, leave a rating and a review if you can on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Really helps out the pod. And again, we thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. Well, let's start today with a day three recap of the draft for the Orioles. Again, the final day of the kind of revamped MLB draft. 20 rounds and on the third day, rounds 11 through 20. And the Orioles had the first pick of day three, just like they had the first pick of day one and day two. It was their 11th round selection, number 317 overall. And they took Zach Showalter, a right-handed pitcher out of Wesley Chapel High School in Florida. Now, this was the first guy where it seems apparent that the O's are going to go a little over slot to get Showalter. Now, in rounds 11 through 20, it's not exactly over slot. You know, there is no slot values for these guys, you know, most teams will pay them uh, around, you know, or up to 125,000 with a bonus, but you can pay them more. And that's what the Orioles may do here to get Showalter. He's committed to USF University of South Florida, but he's got some nasty stuff, a mid nineties fastball with a disgusting slider. Go check out my tweet in the thread about the Orioles draft picks on the at locked on Orioles, Twitter account to see the slider he throws it comes from, you know, he's not all the way over the top. He's not sidearm. It's somewhere in the middle. It's a very interesting windup and delivery and just arm slot. But man, that slider is ridiculous. And most places had him listed as a top 300 prospect in this draft. So if the O's can sign him, really good pick here in the 11th round. We go to the 12th round and it's the right-handed pitcher, Bradley Bramer out of Indiana. Had a 5-3-0 ERA as a starter at IU this spring, 77 Ks 
in 75 innings. He was a transfer. He pitched at Wright State, one of the best mid-major college baseball programs in the country. Pitched there for three years, had a great career, and then went to Indiana. The cool part about Bramer, the Orioles actually selected him out of high school. Back in 2018, they took him in the 23rd round. He did not sign, but the Orioles this time, they get their guy. 13th round selection. This is a fun one. The left-handed pitcher, Jared Beck, out of St. Leo University, a Division II school in Florida. Now, Beck initially started his career at junior colleges, went to two junior colleges, then went to Illinois State at the D1 level for a semester before finally transferring to St. Leo. And at St. Leo this spring, a 3.95 ERA, 105 strikeouts to 31 walks in 68 innings. But here's the coolest part about Jared Beck. He stands at seven feet tall. There has never been a Major League Baseball player at seven feet tall. Jared Beck could be the first one. 14th round pick, the Orioles went behind the dish. It is Adam Retzbach, the catcher out of Lehigh, and he had a great offensive season at Lehigh this spring, hit 293 with a 397 on base. He led the Patriot League, his conference, with 11 home runs, can also play first base, just a nice depth pickup for the Orioles. In the 15th round, they went with a little bit of a risk, taking the right-hander James Hicks out of South Carolina. Now, you would usually say, wow, you get a guy who was a weekend starter at South Carolina. How is that risky? Well, he had Tommy John surgery earlier this year. Hicks made two starts at the beginning of the year for South Carolina after transferring from a junior college, Crowder College, where he pitched his first two years of college ball, came to South Carolina, left his second start with arm soreness, and then got Tommy John in early March. So obviously, he will not pitch in the minors for the Orioles for the rest of this year. The hope is that he could be back for opening day 2023 in the minors. We will see, but obviously a long-term project for Hicks, who has put a lot of oomph on his fastball, has gotten his stuff a lot better over the last couple of years, and tough for him to get Tommy John, but the Orioles will still bring him in. 16th round, the Orioles go with Graham Firevet, a right-handed pitcher out of Virginia Tech, who pitched out of the Hokies' bullpen this year. Big movement on his fastball, had a 4.76 ERA, but 72 Ks in 51 innings this year for Virginia Tech. Initially started his career at D1 Radford, then went to a junior college, then pitched the last two years at Virginia Tech. And remember, these ERAs we talk about with some of these college pitchers, college offensive stats were very, very inflated in the 2022 season. That's why you'll see a lot of guys with higher ERAs this year than they had last spring. It's going to get a lot of guys. So a 4.76 ERA almost plays more like a 3.76 ERA in what happened with college offense this year. Now, the Orioles did something interesting in the 17th round. They selected shortstop Carter Young out of Vanderbilt. And you may be wondering, how is the Vanderbilt shortstop getting selected in the 17th round? Well, most people don't think Young is going to sign. Now, Carter Young, who played his first three years at Vanderbilt, went into the transfer portal this offseason and committed to LSU and talked to some people you know, around Vanderbilt. Most expect him to go to LSU unless the Orioles can blow him away with a giant bonus offer. He's going to go to LSU. Now, early this year or before this season, he was supposed to be a pretty high draft pick, but he did struggle at Vandy this year to hit just 207 with seven homers after hitting 252 with 16 homers in 2021. He's a switch hitter. He's an elite defensive shortstop, but it will be interesting to see, you know, why the O's made this pick. Now it could be for just a little bit of insurance. 
if there may be worry that one of their higher draft picks will not sign, they can take that money that they don't spend there and could offer it to a guy like Carter Young to get him to sign. But you have to remember, the O's aren't just competing with, you know, how much money will it take you to not go to LSU? They're competing directly with the NIL money that LSU could now give Carter Young. So I would say it's less than a 50% chance he signs, but we will see. And then speaking of guys who could be hard to sign, the Orioles took another one in the 18th round, right-handed pitcher Andrew Walters out of Miami. He was Miami's closer this year, and he was absolutely dominant. 32 and two-thirds innings. He had a 1.65 ERA, 62 strikeouts to just six walks, and 13 hits allowed in 32 innings this year. He had 14 saves. He was just ridiculous. In 21 of his 24 appearances this year, he did not allow an earned run. He was the number 70 prospect in the draft, according to Prospects Live. Orioles got him at number 527. And it's because, you know, the talk around Walters is that he doesn't want to sign. He wants to play another year of college baseball. His brother, Brian, is actually coming to Miami to pitch next year. And apparently he wants to play with his brother. But another guy who the O's are going to have to throw some money at if they want to get him to sign. 19th round pick was a pretty cool one by the Orioles. It's Alden Mathis, a left-handed pitcher slash outfielder at Richmond. Now, this is a guy who was drafted as a two-way guy and truly could be a two-way player in the O system. Remember, they drafted Nolan McClain out of Oklahoma State. They're going to let him try to be a two-way guy. Mathis could be one as well. As a hitter this spring at Richmond, hit 344 with a 398 on base, 567 slugging and 10 home runs. As a pitcher, mostly as a starter, but some out of the bullpen. In 43 innings, he had a 3.35 ERA with 58 strikeouts, 21 walks, and a 181 batting average against. He's got good stuff from the left side. He crushes the ball from the left side as well at the plate. Really interesting pick. And then the Orioles' final draft selection in the 20th round, they took the right-hander Reese Sharp out of Indiana, the second Indiana righty they took on the day. Now, he had a 6.42 ERA in 2022, but he did strike out 76 batters in 54 innings, and his stats in the second half were way better than his stats in the first half when he got hit around a bit. Now, I watched a lot of Reese Sharp this spring because he threw five and a third innings of dominant baseball against my Maryland Terrapins in the opening game of the Big Ten tournament this year, striking out nine and again, allowing just one run with no walks. It's a low 90s fastball with some really devastating movement. He's got two good breaking balls. I really, really like Reese Sharp, and I really like the Orioles' 20th round pick for the second year in a row. But that concludes the draft for the Orioles. All of their selections, rounds one through 20. Now, they will sign some undrafted free agents as well, and we'll get you those guys here on the pod. But we want to reverse back to day one of the draft, specifically the Orioles' second pick. In the competitive balance round, they took the outfielder Dylan Beavers out of Cal. We wanted to learn more about Beavers. So we're bringing on Kyle Kishimoto, who watched Beavers play time and time again this spring at Cal. He's going to break down his swing from the left side, what kind of hitter he profiles as, what his defense is like in the outfield, and overall what his ceiling could be with the Orioles. But first, got to tell you about Blue Nile because whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at Blue Nile. 
BlueNile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools to let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as the setting style. And if you have questions, well, they have answers. If you just don't know what you're looking for, what you should spend, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find that memorable gift at every budget. So make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. All right, so our draft breakdown series rolls on here with the Orioles' second pick in the 2022 draft, which is the outfielder Dylan Beavers from Cal. And joining us to talk about him is Kyle Kishimoto, who saw a lot of Dylan play baseball at Cal this spring, also does some work over at PitcherList in the online baseball community, certainly a part of it as well. And Kyle, first of all, welcome into the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Yep, thanks for having me. Yeah, and so we, we wanted to have you on because, you know, especially with a guy like Beavers, I consider myself someone who watches a good amount of college baseball, but living on the East Coast, it is tough to watch the Pac-12. And, and, and not even a lot of that is about the time difference. It's about the accessibility of, of the games as well with the Pac-12 networks. So whenever the Orioles take somebody from the West Coast, it's always nice to get someone on who was in the ballpark watching him play. And I know you were able to, to see that this year. So first of all, you know, I just want to get kind of your general sense on, because I know some mock drafts had him in the first round, you know, just watching him play, did it look like, you know, this season, Hey, that could be a, a first round pick in the major league baseball draft. Yeah. I think the buzz around him started after his sophomore year where he had, a, Hey, he had a pretty similar performance to this season, although he did make some improvements um, this spring, but yeah, he, he looked like a first round pick through most of the season. Um, there's the obvious issues with like lifts on breaking balls, but um, the power was obviously there. Um, the frame is there. Yeah. So he um, absolutely looks like a someone who would get taken in the first round or around uh, the sandwich area where he did get taken. So it's, it's not a super surprising location for him. Yeah. I've heard some chatter, you know, I've seen the swing. It's not the, you know, cookie cutter lefty swing. It's not anything crazy. It's somewhere in the middle. Was there any chatter about that? Do you think that when you when you see him hit live that he might need to make little adjustments there? Right. I, I think there probably will be swing tweaks he makes as a professional. Um, and I, I've heard some very large numbers um, on TrackMan of like his whiffs on breaking balls. I think on sliders, he he swung and missed like nearly half the time he swung. So, yeah, there, there will be some adjustments needed there. But um, the feel to hit everything else and the amount of damage that he was doing on balls was very clearly there, even with his current swing. And so the production is, is there. Yeah. And even when he can do damage, even if it's just, you know, on a fastball or on an off-speed pitch, you know, he hit 35 home runs in the last two years. So what does that, you know, ability to do damage, that power in a left-handed swing look like for him? Yeah, exactly. So he, um, he's really good at elevating the ball. I know his, his ground ball rate was less than 25%. So he's not like rolling over on a lot of pitches. Um, he has really crazy pull side power, um, especially at that Cal home stadium where the fences are pretty shallow to right field. Um, but yeah, he, he has really good in-game power. Um, the raw power is still coming, but I think it's 
uh, well above average when he matures. Um, his his frame is pretty small right now, but I think he can still grow, I don't know, 15, 20 pounds without sacrificing much in terms of like speed and defense. So it's it's a legit like plus power bat. Um, and I think that'll translate into pro ball. Yeah, I know he's 6'4", and as someone here who is 6'4", and definitely on the skinny side of 6'4", you know that there's plenty of room to, to put right. on weight and, and put on muscle in that frame. And I did want to ask also, you know, you talk about the swing and miss on the breaking balls on the sliders, and, and that's something I saw, you know, any scout who was posting about him kind of did like all the positives, and then, you know, here's the one thing at the end he needs to work on. But to have a 51 walk to 54 strikeout season as a junior, it seems like even if there is that hole in his swing against that pitch his eye at the plate and his discipline seem to be getting him through the season just fine yeah it, it's very clearly a, a mature approach at the plate um he doesn't expand the zone uh even when he's like swinging and missing at a lot of pitches that they're a lot of times they're in the zone they're not outside it so he makes up for a lot of those swing and miss, miss issues by just not chasing pitches in the spots that pitchers put them when they're trying to get chases um the 54 strikeouts in that number of plate appearances isn't like a low strikeout rate. It is kind of high, but that also illustrates how high the walk rate is. Um, and there were times when he was getting like pitched around, but he wouldn't try to expand the zone or like try to find his pitch. Um, he was perfectly fine uh, keeping his very mature approach and, and drawing walks. Yeah, it was a higher strikeout rate, as you said, but also looking at some of the hitters the Orioles have drafted around him. It was certainly was not the highest strikeout rate. They took some guys who were even bigger, you know, power yeah. pull side hitters with, with even bigger strikeout rates. So they're yeah, certainly exactly. uh, not going to be scared off by his yeah. strikeout rates. But we're going to jump right back in with Kyle Kishimoto here in just a second, talking about Dylan Beavers. But first, got to tell you about betonline.net, your number one sp- source for all your betting needs and sports info, because during the Major League Baseball season here, we've got games every day. Of course, we're in the all-star break right now, but games starting up again this weekend. You can get all the lines and the odds at betonline.net. Your continued source for all your information, live betting, esports scores. You can listen to podcasts like this one. You can get your sports news, injury news on players, anything you need, they have it at betonline.net. And it's not just baseball. We've got MMA, boxing, and golf every weekend, the MLS and the WNBA going on throughout the summer as well. You can get it all at BetOnline. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at BetOnline, where the game starts. So we're here with Kyle Kishimoto, who saw a lot of Dylan Beavers this spring at Cal. And, you know, we're talking about a good looking, you know, left-handed swing, which may need a little bit of tweaks and, and certainly has a hole. But I do want to ask, you know, obviously when you hear the conversation about a, you know, a lefty with power who's struggling with breaking balls, you, you immediately go to he's struggling left on left. Is that where most of the struggles were, were coming from there? Actually, not not so much. He's not like um, a type where you just instantly think that he's going to have to platoon. Um, if you watch a swing, his hands don't come too far in uh, during his pre-swing motion. So it's not super likely that he's going to have to like exclusively hit against righties. Um, the issues against sliders happened against both lefties and righties. Um, I, I don't have exact numbers to confirm that, but it it appeared that he, he was able to hit um, lefties pretty well when they weren't throwing breaking balls, but um, there wasn't any specific weakness against them. It, it'll be interesting to see because back in 2020, the Orioles took a player in Hudson Haskin who had one of the weirdest swings in college baseball, and they really haven't done much to it. They've tweaked it a little bit. Now, for Beavers, you know, it's, it's much less extreme than Haskins' swing was, but you know, we'll see if just maybe little tweaks 
will help him out. I did want to shift to the defensive side because when you're watching Beavers highlights, you know, we're seeing majestic home runs, but there's also a good amount of defensive plays shuffled in there. So my first question is, you know, where did he spend the majority of his time in terms of his outfield position? And, you know, what, what do his tools look like in the outfield? Yeah. So this season he was pretty much the everyday right fielder. Um, they had a couple freshmen who took turns playing center field. And last year, I believe he played both right field and center field. Um, but this year he was exclusively a right fielder. I think that he, he profiles best at right field in the long term. Um, he, he's pretty fast, but not necessarily rangy enough to, to handle center field at, at the professional level. Um, it's a very good arm with room for strength to add as well. So I think that as he grows and matures, he could uh, develop an even better arm that profiles even better uh, at right field. Yeah, that's what the, the Orioles have taken. You know, they've taken a lot of college outfield bats over the past couple of years. And a lot of guys, you know, big power, good defense is the profile. And it seems like, you know, Beavers has more tools than that, but is uh, is certainly hitting hitting that spot for the Orioles. And then, you know, really the other thing that I wanted to ask about, I know he didn't steal many bases. It was seven. Is it a part of his game? How did the speed kind of kind of factor in for him? Yeah, it, it wasn't a huge part of his game. I think he stole seven bases this year and 10 last year. Um, I'm sure if he wanted to, he could have stolen more bases. But given that he's not like the fastest burner on the field, um, I think he was more focusing on just trying to hit the ball hard, um, get extra base hits and, and save his speed for defense. Yeah, um, I was going to ask if that speed like, kind of help him out in the field. Yeah, like sure, maybe he could have stolen, I don't know, 15 bases, but how much would that have really helped the team. Um, so uh, I don't know if that gets reintroduced as part of his game as he transitioned into pro ball. Yeah. So the last thing, you know, as he transitions into pro ball, I'm sure we'll see him, you know, out on a rookie ball field here in a couple of weeks with the Orioles. What do you see as his ceiling with the Orioles and, and, and O's fans are going to compare him to, you know, the Orioles are loaded with outfield prospects right now. So it's a lot about who's going to separate themselves and, basically be the guys who are coming to Camden Yards instead of the guys that Michael Elias is going to deal for starting pitching, essentially. So, you know, what could separate him and, and you know, what could be his, his ceiling as a professional ball player? Yeah, of course. I think if you're talking ceiling in terms of like 99th percentile outcome, I, I think he could, they, there, there is a way to see him as a potential all-star player. Um, if the, the power continues to manifest in pro ball, if, if it stays as plus power, that's 25 to 30 homers um, playing an above average right field with an above average field to hit, um, even if the strikeouts are there. Uh, I think that's a really solid player um, could make all, some all-star games. But I think the most realistic projection for him is as just a regular everyday player um, who can stay in the lineup every day, be really solid uh, with above average power and um, a decent hit tool as well. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that, um, he, he's not going to be like the greatest player of all time, but pretty much no one is. Um, but it's, it's a really solid profile. Yeah. The Orioles obviously see a lot of things in that profile to, to pick him that high, as you said, you know, in, in the sandwich round with their second selection and, and, and many thought, you know, with the Orioles having a, a couple picks in the thirties and forties, they'd go with one of the, the many college pitchers, but you know, they, they obviously saw something in Dylan to take him with that selection 
and uh, we'll see how he can move up the Orioles system. But Kyle, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us. If you want to, you know, plug anything, you know, just your Twitter account where people can follow you or anything you're working on. I know you're doing stuff with pitcher list. Uh, let anyone know where they can find you for more uh, baseball content. Uh, yeah, sure. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, Kyle Moto 10 K Y L E M O T O one zero. I, I tweet some stuff there. Yeah. All right. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for uh, telling us more about Dylan Beavers. And, uh, you know, it uh, should be fun to watch him continue to go through Birdland. And, and, and I guess the biggest thank you goes out to you because, as I said at the top, it's tough for many of us people in Baltimore to watch some Pac-12 baseball. So always fun to have somebody yeah. who had some eyes on him to see him. Honestly, tough for me to watch some Pac-12 baseball, too, when I'm not in the stadium. Um, just uh, can't get them without cable. And they're the only, like, big conference not on ESPN+. Plus. So. Hopefully uh, it's uh, it's something they'll figure out. But that was Kyle Kishimoto joining us to talk about Dylan Beavers, the Orioles' second pick in the 2022 draft. We'll be back tomorrow on the pod to talk even more draft stuff with the Orioles, breaking down all of their picks here in this 2022 draft. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.